Good morning. I'm going to read uh, from the Word of God uh, before we get to the message this morning uh, from Luke uh, chapter 15. I'm here, this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him, that is Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Or that woman, or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. I'm going to focus a little bit um, on that text this morning as... Uh, we have been celebrating over these past several Sundays um, our 60 years of Bethany. And it's been really exciting. We've, we've had several guest preachers here, which is why Anthony joked about me uh, preaching for the first time as a guest, because uh, we've had Pastor Kanepa and Pastor Woolsey and uh, Pastor Lentz, and of course, Pastor Anthony has also preached, and so I haven't done it all month. And, um, but as I've been sitting and listening and hearing the stories and watching the videos, it's been just wonderful to reflect on where Bethany began and where it has gone and, and kind of where we are now. And um, we're going to start to look a little bit around the corner, maybe to the future this morning. The theme for the 60th celebration over this past month has been shine uh, bright. And, and it really comes from this gospel lesson, which we just read. And let me just highlight a little part of this. Um, that woman... Um, Jesus, she loses a coin, right? And, and Jesus says, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house diligently until she finds it? Meaning, does she not use light to, to find what she has lost? And I think we all can understand this experience. Like when you lose something of value, um, how stressful it can be until you find it. Who hasn't, I mean, how many of you have lost your wallet or, or misplaced something valuable? Have any of you experienced this? Yeah. When you misplace your wallet, at least this is my experience, I cannot focus on anything until I know where it is. And for that reason, I have a tracker on my wallet <laughs> so I can keep track of where it is. I've lost my wallet so many times just sitting it down, not thinking, and then I don't remember where I put it. And that's why I have to do that. And when you lose something like your wallet, or if you're traveling, your passport, what do you do? <laughs> you rip the place apart looking for it. You want to shine light. You're underneath the couch. You're flipping over mattresses. You're thinking about your steps that you've taken to try to find it. In this parable, Jesus says that when she finds it, she she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And that's exactly what I do too. When I find my wallet, I call my wife and say, Rejoice, there's no fraud. I have all our credit cards, right? Because you, it's valuable. 
And of course, what Jesus is talking about is not your wallet or not your purse. He's talking about people which have infinite value. And he's talking about what does it take, what does it mean for us to shine bright, to light the light, to find that lost coin, that person who has been separated from the community of faith, who maybe doesn't know Jesus or, or has become disenfranchised with whatever it is that we call church. What does it look like for us to find it, to find that person? You see, every church that proclaims to be about Christ actually falls under the same mission. It is every Christian church's mission to make disciples of all nations by baptizing and teaching them to obey everything that Christ has commanded. It's about the people that in many ways are not here this morning. This is what church is really geared towards. It's shining the light and finding that lost coin. And so a lot of what Bethany is going to do or be doing over the next several years is rediscovering mission. It's, it's not like we lost it. It's just we're going to focus in on We're going to re-hone it and pay attention to what it means for us now. You see, Bethany has had a history of mission. In fact, I mean, Bethany, if you recall, that very first Sunday we talked a little bit about it, began as a mission upstart in South Austin. Before they had a, a constitution and before they had bylaws and before they had a building, a pastor set up a preaching station in South Austin and began to gather people around the word. And Bethany, over the years, has also continued to support new ministries and, and new churches. In fact, when they built this building, it was called Mission Bethany for a reason. It was meant to be sort of an outpost and a, a proclamation of intent to reach people. So this is every church's ultimate calling, to be faithful to Christ and to shine the light to find that coin. And sometimes we package it in different ways and we talk about it in different ways and we've actually been talking about what it looks like all month. And one of the ways that we really sort of rediscover our mission or pay attention to what we are called to do is by understanding what it means to belong. Bethany has been a belonging place for a long time. And it always will be. And this makes sense because disciples are made in community. You don't experience or understand or truly appreciate the love that Christ has for you until you've experienced it in community. It's largely academic, actually. God forgives you. You're forgiven. God has infinite love, infinite grace. And I'm not trying to sound flippant when I say those things. They're 100% true. But you experience it for real because of the people sitting next to you when they offer you love and grace in the name of Christ. That's how you come to know and understand God's infinite love for you. And you can't do that apart from community. There's no way. And so as we begin to belong in the community of faith, we begin to experience Jesus' love 
for us through the community of saints, the preaching of the gospel, and the receiving of the sacraments. That is, God comes to us through his word, through the sacraments, and he comes to you through everyone else in this room as we belong together because of what Christ did on the cross so that we can know what real grace and forgiveness is like. It's not philosophical. It's real. And so we're a belonging place. But at Bethany, we also want to become. And, and when I say become, I actually should say maybe becoming. We want to becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. It's not like all of a sudden you wake up and you're just like Jesus. I've become just like Jesus today. Um, no, you will be doing this. You will be becoming until the day you die. And becoming is about aligning our lives around the way of Jesus as we grow as disciples. This is why sometimes in baptisms, um, I'll, I'll ask the congregation if they will commit to living lives that follow Jesus so as this child grows up, they can look to you and know what it means to become, to be like Jesus. What faithfulness look like looks like. And so we begin that journey to become like him through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that happens as we, the community of saints, begins to adopt and live lives through teachings and practices of Jesus in everyday sort of ways, wherever we live, work, and play. That is, you're becoming more like Jesus in every sphere and aspect of your life. So when you go to work on Monday morning and you've been in traffic for an hour and you show up to the office and at nine o'clock you see that coworker, you get an opportunity to become. Everywhere we find ourselves, we are becoming more like him and offering that same grace and love and mercy that we experience when we belong to those who maybe don't belong. We eat with the sinners and the tax collectors so that what Christ did on the cross can become real for them too. Because in us becoming, they see Jesus in us. And as we become more and more like Christ, we begin to understand just how much we have been giving, and it really compels us to actually bless. That is, because we have so much grace and mercy and love, we have more to give, always more. There is no end. And see, as we, Jesus' disciples, begin to grow in Christ's likeness, the natural result is that we bless other people around us in his name and word and indeed sacrificially loving our neighbors just like Jesus loved us. And this is... Again, not something that's meant to be academic. It's not like we we should sit in a Bible study and read about how we should serve and love others. It's actually a call to action. Because to become more like Jesus means to do and live like Jesus and bless and, and be a part of something bigger. I mean, Jesus himself said you can judge a tree by the fruit that it bears, right? 
So that if you are in Jesus, if you are faithfully following him, becoming more like him and blessing others, people will look at you and they'll say, there is the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in the life of that person. And if you're not bearing fruit, you're not following Jesus. And so as we, as God's people, bless others in the name of Jesus, we're always inviting people to join us, actually, in belonging, becoming, and blessing others in the same way, the way of Christ. And that's what we've been talking about these past several Sundays, about becoming and belonging and and blessing. And, And this is really Bethany's ultimate mission, and it always has been. Our mission at Bethany is to develop disciples of Christ by inviting people to belong and become and bless in the way of Jesus. And in the way of Jesus is to say, really, in the way of the light. The light that shines in the darkness, that finds the lost coin, that is the living word of God. The light that shines bright. Bethany is that light. You, as a follower of Jesus, are that light. And so what does this look like for us? What does this mean? Well, it's sort of interesting. There's a lot of things going on that, that are fun here in the city of Austin, always. Um, they did a, a driving study along Slaughter because they're pulling a little eminent domain on us and taking a little slice of our property to put in a bike lane and uh, expand some things, which is great because we love our neighbor and we're happy that they have a bike lane, right? It's fine. It's totally okay. But as they were preparing for this, they did this traffic study. And probably the, the, the little section that they measured that's closest to right in front of us is that second line where it says between Bremer Drive and Bowie High School. And you have eastbound Slaughter Lane and westbound Slaughter Lane traffic and then the total. And so what they said is that over 24 hours, 36,217 cars going east and west probably drove by Bethany. So that means over the course of a year, um, about 11,759,205 cars drive by Bethany going east or westbound. That is a lot of cars. And if you've driven on slaughter, you believe it. And honestly, that number is probably the same poor guy driving twice on his way to work and on his way home, you know? But it doesn't matter. I mean, that's, that's 11 million touch points driving by our property over the course of a year. So what does that mean? Well, it means we, we have an opportunity. Because it's high traffic, high visibility. Like when I ask people, like when I tell people, oh, I'm the pastor at, at Bethany, and they say, where? And I say, yeah, next to Bowie High School. Um, One of the first things they always say because they drive by it is, wow, you have a beautiful building. See, we do. And sometimes that's all they know. Some know that maybe we have a preschool. Um, Some actually, uh, many, believe it or not, know us because of our pumpkin patch. But it's an opportunity to pray and reflect on what does it mean for us to connect more intentionally with those people driving by. Right across the street from us is Bowie High School. 
Bowie High School, the entire population minus the staff and teachers changes every four years. So it's like we have a funnel of families just constantly parading across the street from us. And not only that, we, we let a par- portion of those park in our parking lot during the week. And most of the time, they're pleasant, actually. And so again, what, is it, what does this mean? What, how do we engage in that? And what does it look like for Bethany to explore that? And I, I don't have all the answers. I actually have more questions right now. But it's, it's things that we need to begin thinking and praying about and trying to discern. Bethany is um, kind of a regional church as well. What I mean when I say regional church is that a lot of people that worship here actually drive beyond the five and ten mile radius of this church. They drive from all over. But what's crazy to me is that if we wanted to or if we could figure it out, we could actually also be a neighborhood church because there are apartments and neighborhoods surrounding us. And actually, if you follow the HOA's webpage, um, for the most part, most of the time, they like us, right? And so what does it mean for Bethany to engage in the neighborhood right next door to us? Like literally, they could walk to church on Sunday morning. Just questions to ponder. But it's about even more frankly, than the five and ten mile radius around Bethany. It's about something even bigger, I think. When you look at a map, um, that blue dot is where I live. I didn't know how to make it go away um, for the screenshot. So you can stalk me, go for it. Um, But just north of that blue dot is Bethany, you see on the map, and then there's Mount Olive. Mount Olive is actually a church that Bethany helped... um, start. And then south down in San Marcos, New Braunfels area is Grace Lutheran Church. And so there's a span of 30 to 40 miles between Bethany and Grace Lutheran where there's actually no um, presence like Bethany in terms of what we believe and teach. Just nothing. And that's on the north-south axis. What's interesting, if you go east-west, It's actually much larger. I had a harder time kind of figuring it out, um, trying to find all the churches, but it's easily maybe a 100 to 200 mile stretch um, going the other direction with no other church that is uh, part of our faith tradition. And so you you take that information, and then you take uh, this, like, news article that I read this last week. They said that uh, two areas posted four of the top 20 fastest-growing counties by percentage change in the nation, and that was Hayes, which is the county I live in, and Williamson, which is up north in Austin, and then there's Comal and Kendall near San Antonio. And they said two of those, Hayes and Comal, connect the two areas through the increasingly clogged I-35 corridor. And so they talked a lot about traffic flow and how that's going to change how people move. But then one of the things they said is that they expect that Austin and San Antonio will be the next Dallas-Fort Worth megaopolis. And what that means is, is you'll be able to drive from North Austin to South San Antonio and never leave a city. Sounds fun. (laughs) 
But that's a lot of growth and a lot of change in the midst of all of that enormous opportunity. You see, Bethany is one of the um, larger Lutheran churches in the nation, and I think that comes or should come with some responsibility and faithfulness in terms of how we use our resources and, and how we shine our light for the lost. And so I think we need to pay attention to these things and ask, what is our mission? What are we doing? What's also interesting is if you look at demographic studies, uh, younger families are also increasingly moving further south. And one of the reasons why that is is because Austin's really expensive. And it's, I'm not going to say it's cheap to live in Butte anymore, but it's less expensive. And a lot of our young families actually live further south. And so imagine as traffic increases, what that's going to mean for how families are able to connect to Bethany. And again, we just have enormous opportunity. So the big question, what does this all mean? Again, I already said I have probably more questions than answers, but here's what I know. Bethany, historically, has been a planting congregation. We have been a congregation that has been about the lost and been about mission. And if you look at trends in the congregation, like when it's grown, when it's flat, it's flattened out, different things, you can, and then you kind of lay it over the history of Bethany, what you begin to notice is that Bethany has been its healthiest and most energized when it's been faithful to the Great Commission. That is when it's been on the, the move, looking beyond 3701 or whatever the address was before, And so what this means is that over the coming years, I think that we're going to have to look at staffing and ministry budgets and programming and, and members that need to embody that specific call to Christ in a more faithful way. Not that we're being unfaithful. I'm just saying faithful to that call to reach out. And what this is going to mean is that we need to really hone in leadership and discipleship. And they're not mutually exclusive. They speak to each other. It's just different skills. But we need to really figure out how to develop more leaders. We have them in this congregation. We just have to identify them and build them up. And it means that we're going to have to really hone in on all of us being faithful to the call of Christ and becoming more like him as his disciples. And the best way to start this, I think, is always in prayer. To pray, to pray. Lord, what next? For me, for Bethany, for the communities around us, for the lost people, Show us the way. And as we pray and as we live, work, and play and go around doing our normal business in faith, becoming more and more like Christ, we need to keep our eyes open, pay attention to what Christ is putting in front of us as we look to and explore 
the next step. And we need to listen to Christ's call and be faithful to respond to it in our own lives and as a body united around Christ. And so when I think about responding to Christ's call, one of the things that I've been talking about with staff, and, and this has just been a little shift um, with some things over the last few years, um, I think for a while, um, as we talked about mission and outreach, we were like, okay, how do we reach young families? How do we reach certain people? And what kind of brand and market do we need to have to reach those people? And, and the more we talked about it and, and the more conversations we had about it, um, I get it from a human perspective, but um, I began to feel like this is not as faithful as um, what Christ actually calls us to. And the reason why this is important is because if you're trying to cultivate a brand or cultivate an image, then you're going to say no a lot of times. Like, no, we, we can't do that because it's not going to be attractive to someone in their 20s. And no, we can't do that because it's going to really repel somebody in their 30s. And the more I think about it, if, if we're called to become, that means we're all called to change, even people who may not initially be attracted to, to things like creeds and liturgy and all those shenanigans. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with anything we're doing at all. I'm just saying um, I want to cultivate a culture of yes. And what I mean by that, when I say we will say yes, I mean that if one of you says, I want to do underwater basket weaving to reach the lost underwater basket weavers. I don't even know if that's a real thing or not. Then instead of saying, eh, you know, studies show that people in their 20s and 30s do not like underwater basket weaving, I will say, yes. You go and reach people. And Bethany will support and equip you in that mission. And so whatever it is that God is placing on your heart, we want to empower you to reach people through that. And so we will say yes. No question. Maybe. I'll <laughs> see, as I said, I'm thinking of some examples that we might say no to, but for the most part, we'll probably say yes. <laughs> but this applies to even something bigger than just individuals. Like, as we pray through God, what God's placing on your heart, you say, you know, we'll say yes to you, we'll help you, we'll encourage you. Um, but it also means what we reflect on corporately as a body of Christ. That is... As things bubble up, maybe it's in South, South Kyle or Buda or, or somewhere else, um, if opportunities arise, if we feel Christ is leading us in a certain direction and, and the opportunities are there and the leaders are there and things are aligning, um, we're really going to try to say yes to God's call wherever it goes. And what's hard about that is it can be scary because it can be uncertain at times. And you can be unsure about how it might look and what the consequence, good and bad, might be of some of those things. But more than anything, 
We're going to become a congregation that says yes to wherever Christ leads us as individuals and us as a body. Because we want to be faithful for the next 60 years and beyond with the mission that Christ gives all believers to find the lost, to seek those who aren't here, and to be faithful. So may we all continue to, to belong and to become and to bless in the way of Jesus as we faithfully follow him. In Jesus' name, amen.